Hello everyone and welcome back to the Misunderstood Podcast. I'm your co-host Bill. And I'm your co-host Dylan. And we're back today with another special episode. We've uh, This episode we've actually got a guest on. As you know, at the end of the week we either tried to have a guest on or we talk about a topic in detail for like two hours. So, But luckily, you know, uh, we've been honoured to have a, a special guest on. And that special guest ca- called Tom Linehan. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Tom? Um, well, as you know, my name's Tom, Tom Linehan. Um, I'm 23 years old. Um, and it'll be it'll be nice to uh, join this podcast and just talk about different things, really. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Tom's basically coming on today to share his story about what it was like in school for him and how he was like in secondary school mainly. That's when me and uh, Dill got to know Tom quite well. And his experience with the school system and what it was like growing up and going through puberty and this and that. Isn't that right, Dill? Yes, and how it is in school, um, how he, we'll talk a bit about how he moved to Manchester for a few weeks and uh, what his life was like out there in Manchester, so it should be a good podcast. It should indeed. So, um, and also Tom wants to talk about his story as well, uh, just in case, you know, there's going to be people out there like Tom and he thinks sharing his story is going to help a lot of people. So why don't we start off uh, year seven, Tom, and uh, why don't we go from there? So why don't you just uh, talk about what life was like for you in year seven? Um, Well, in year seven, I was in Arius, which is not um, the school we were all in. Um, It was quite tricky, which, you know, year seven's tricky anyway because you're trying to find your feet. Um, but for me, I didn't really have any friends. Um, and I was quite eccentric as a person, um, which doesn't always fit in. No. Um, in year seven, you have to kind of, if you're not in the in crowd, especially in a school like um, Arius, you can get pushed out quite quick. So I just, I never fitted in properly at Arius. Um, and then I moved to Brunellian in year eight. Um, and I found it a lot easier at Brunellian to uh, to make friends and be more yourself. Yeah. So you're so in year seven in Aries, you like you didn't really know anyone, or like you didn't make friends, or you just didn't really did just didn't feel right there, was it? Yeah, and I think I was very immature as well in myself as a person. I mean, you know, I suppose everybody is in year seven, but but just yeah. I don't, it could be a number of things. I just me as a person just didn't felt feel like I belonged anywhere in especially in, in the younger years of school. Yeah, you mentioned you were a bit of an eccentric in year seven. How how were you eccentric if you don't mind me asking? I'm sure our listeners would love to hear it. I was just a bit wild in the sense and spontaneous and Right. Also quite open with my feelings and how I felt about stuff and stuff like yeah. that. That doesn't yeah. always suit um doesn't suit the school system no, anyway, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, I'd say that really, in that sense. Yeah. So, and then, uh, was it you or was it like your parents to help you make that decision to go to Benelian or? Um, I started getting in a bit of trouble at Arius. Um, and I think that was because I wasn't comfortable with who I was, but I wasn't allowed to be at the same time. Um, so yeah, I think it was kind of a mutual thing between the three of us because as well as that, I I was always intelligent, but you had to. I needed sort of coaching in the right way, guidance. Yeah, you need guidance. Yeah, and with Arius, it was very much. 
a school whereas if you get the best of the best you know that they, they want to help you but if you're not quite up to that you kind of get left behind whereas Brunelli and at the time they seemed to want to focus on the ones that were struggling do you know what I mean by that yeah, yeah definitely because yeah. I, I always felt like people saw, thought Arius was like better than Brunelian I don't know if you felt that yeah but yeah well, that was kind of like this is like the like the society around us around like the area yeah. I was like yeah. oh why are you going to Brunelian like but people didn't realize though at the time that Brunelian was becoming a better school than Arius back then yeah, well, um, I was part of a disabled swim club, uh, Common Wales, and a few of the swimmers there went to Aries, and then was just you know conversation chatting to the parents, and they said, "What's it like in Aries?" And they said, "If you're disabled, even if you've got a physical a physical condition, but you've got it all up there mentally, they'll still put you in the disabled uh, unit because they don't want your results to affect their results, the mainstream results, if that makes sense." So I always kind of got a, a sense if you weren't the best of the best academic if you didn't cut the mustard they wouldn't want you and that's how i kind of think it was really yeah i know like i know it's not a private school but in a way i don't know if you two feel the same but it kind of felt like a bit snobby or something it was really um whether they knew they were like that i don't know but it certainly felt as if it was like that yeah. Well, I and think. Then, oh, go on, Bill. No, Bill, you go on, sir. I think Brunellian was the newest school. Um, Brun- Arius has been there, I think, since around World War Two or maybe before then. But Brunellian was built in the seventies. So at the time, um, Brunellian was seen as the newest school because if you look at the um, academic results of Brunellian and Arius, uh, statistically speaking, Arius did better. So Aries was like already this established school, but Brunellian was like the newcomers. If that makes sense, a bit like how. John Bright's was that's how Brunelli was to areas if that makes sense yeah yeah it does so you say then Tom um, you went to Brunelli in year 8 so what was let's let's start there so how how was that fit for you did it feel different or what was the crack I didn't fit in straight away and I did have quite a lot of issues um because I think I carried a bit of a reputation with me um yeah. not sure what that was but I didn't fit in straight away um, and then sort of halfway through year eight, because I'd been picked on pretty much my yeah. whole childhood. Yeah. I kind of you see, I, you see, I didn't know that you'd been picked on. Yeah, I didn't know that. up until like year eight, I got picked on a lot, and it was never like what, in what way, Tom? If you don't mind me asking, did you used to get picked on? People were just horrible to you, or say horrible things, or take the mick out of you. Because I never did. Like, I didn't mean you sort of thing. Yeah, I didn't have the most money. Um, mm-hmm. as, as growing up and stuff um, so when I hit year 8 I kind of I, I, the only way to put it is I stopped caring and I kind of t- yeah. took it too far so for mm. pe- that's why I like to sort of talk about it so for people that didn't really know me I came across like I just a bit of, a bit of an idiot really but it wasn't it was never that it was just I started getting attention from people because yeah, and you liked the attention. Yeah, I like. It wasn't like fear, but people second guessed me at the very least, and that felt better than being picked on. Did you yeah, kind of they, feel it was sort of yeah. like a defense mechanism? Yeah. Like a deterrent, how you were with your peers and teachers. Yeah, it was a way to sort of have this sort of hard man act, so they wouldn't uh, pick on you and bully you. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, massively. 
Yeah, it was like a deterrent, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, so if you if you put across this person who you actually aren't that person, you're like you're you know that they're like not going to come across and like bully you, which is fair enough. Like, because you know, I think that if I think that's the most logical thing you could have done, to be honest with you even back then like because there's nothing else like if you didn't put that across i'm not saying you would have got picked on again but you never know this is it you know? and that, because it started to work um i started getting more friends what i thought were friends from it but they were never really friends to be honest they just it was easier to keep me on board than it wasn't or at least that's how it felt in my head um yeah well, I, I remember me and you, Tom, had science together in GCSE. I don't know if you remember. And um, it was always like a massive group and you were sort of sat in front. I do kind of felt like, I mean, I mean, don't mind, you were quite the com- comedian back then and it was quite funny, but I did kind of feel like the people in that science class were just using you, if that makes sense for entertainment. Yeah. That's what I kind of gathered, really. Um, they'd get you to do things and then the teacher would tell you off and then you know, you get sent out and it wasn't necessarily your fault. You were sort of encouraged by, you weren't the ringleader for say, you were like the act, if that makes sense. And yeah. they would just sort of like encourage you to do these naughty things because they were bored. Cause we won't name the teacher, but I think you know who it was. Um, because that teach specific, specific teacher didn't really have a good control of the class anyway. In fact, I remember you, you might remember this. Um, I think we would have been about year 10 or year nine and he wrote sabotage on the board and we didn't know what I I didn't know what he was on about. And he goes, Do you know what this word means? And we were like, Yeah, to sort of disrupt something. He goes, That is what it means. Um, do you remember that? And he was like, I'm my job, my goal is to make sure I don't have it was the most cringiest thing ever. But yeah, no, I do I do kind of remember he he kind of um you were kind of a bit like, you know, it's not like I'm on like the class clown, but they people would really encourage you and they weren't like you said, your friends, they just were bored. Yeah, definitely. But I got carried away with that, and I was quite unfair to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. In what ways, Tom, would you be unfair to other people, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I'd pick on people, but not ever in a horrible way, but I'd take the mick out of them, or or especially the teachers. I gave the teachers a hard time. I didn't deserve it. You know, yeah. The day they're yeah. there to help us. And I used to thrive off annoying people, because... I think because I had my own things that I didn't know how to deal with. Um, yeah. But it's only when you grow up you realise. You realise a lot. And I got life handed to me pretty much straight away. Um, you know, I had, I had a lot going on for, um, for a 15-year-old at the time. Um, and I think that that helped me massively um, grow up and then realise yeah. what what I was doing wrong and stuff like that. Because I do think that's what life's about, in a sense. You kind of... Each challenge you face, you've got to analyse it, look back and see see where you're at and constantly evaluate and, you know what I mean, stuff like that. Yeah, like, you don't have to... Uh, um, you don't have to go into this time, but I just thought I'd ask. Uh, what, how did life get handed to you at 15? Yeah, what what happened, basically? If you, you don't, don't have to... No, I don't mind. Um, obviously all that being picked on stuff and then obviously that went away and then at 15 um, I had a child that I couldn't see um, because her mum stopped me seeing her um, so I missed everything with that and I had to go to court for two years just to get anywhere um, 
and I ended up with full custody in the end and have done for the past five years. That's fantastic to hear. But as well as being told you were a dad, I got told that my dad wasn't my real dad. Which, oh, yeah, right. I remember I remember you telling me that. And I remember it be, be really like affecting you for a while. It did because, you know, when you've grown up in school feeling like a misfit and then your own home you feel like a misfit, that's a horrible feeling. And then on top of that, I got diagnosed with autism, which again is even worse because it's like you just feel like you don't belong anywhere because you feel so different to everybody else. And the way I dealt with that was I was just acting like an idiot. And it was only the people that really knew me that could see who I was. And it wasn't who I was being wasn't who I was. I just didn't know how to handle what was going on kind of thing. Yeah. And like, there's one thing I'll always, there's one thing I'll always say about you, Tom, is you, you always looked after the people that you cared about, like your friend group, like, you know, like me and like uh, Ben and, you know, Ben obviously won't mind me mentioning his name, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. So, you know, you did one thing I would say about you, uh, is like you did look like I know you say you acted out on other people, but you always looked after like the people you cared about and like you know your friend groups that were close to. You. And um, like I said, like obviously I'll bring up no names, but remember that fight I had in school? Yeah. And uh, like and like you were like the only one to jump in and help. And like my ma, even to this day, she brings it up. She's like. I'll always love Tom for the helping you out there, Bill. He's such a good lad. Like there, the rest of them were all there standing. Like, and he was the only one that came in and helped you. And I was like, you know what, mate, you're right. Like he's looking back on it now. Like he he has a good heart. Like you know what I mean. That was it. I I've always had a good heart, but it's easy to be ruled by your head. Hmm. Because I remember you used to love boxing, didn't you, Tom? I remember we went a few times to the uh, bo- boxing, a different boxing. Um, did you feel like when you were doing boxing, did you feel like you could uh, release this frustration when you were on the punch bag and sparring? Massively, but the problem I had is because I was quite tall, um, mm. fairly well built for my age. You were, yeah, you were very tall and quite, not muscular, but athletic, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I'd get thrown in the ring, but because I had quite a bit of power as well i'd get thrown in the ring with people that were like twice my age or twice my size so you did get you know leathered quite a lot but yeah certainly toughened you up absolutely absolutely so um you said so we get we're like uh, getting back i know we were getting out of sidetracked there a bit but so year eight um and then we went into year nine. Do you remember much about year nine, Tom, or anything like that? No, I all I remember with year nine is everyone sort of got their sets then, didn't they? Or what you know where they mm. were going. It was sort of the it was like the beginning yeah. of um beginning of the end. No. The beginning of um <laughs> sort of intense school then, isn't it? It's like it, it kick starts you into year ten and eleven, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Uh, it does and then yeah, and like um it's uh, do you don't pick GCSEs in year nine, do you? It's year ten. I think so. When the, you pick them at the end of year nine, don't you? I think oh, so. Dear. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. To be honest, it's years ago. Do you, do, you remember, do you remember what you picked on for GCSEs? I think it was public services. Mm. I think it was geography. Geography, yeah, and maybe PE. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I think that's what I chose. Yeah. Did you? Did you? In, 
did you enjoy being in lessons, Tom? That's what I'm trying to ask. Like, did you and did you enjoy being there, or did you just think stuff? I want to get out of here. Like, or did you, like you say, were you thriving off being the way you were? Because so you looked forward to the lessons. How was that for you? It was very mixed, to be honest. Because when I, when you can get me concentrating, I'm I'm not stupid. I'm very clever. I can do the work. But if it yeah. doesn't stimulate me, that's when I started acting up and being being a bit of an idiot and messing about and and stuff like that. But I think, like I said, it was. I've always been someone that's not very good with rules. But you know, mm. like a free spirit, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> but that. And if you. Oh, go on. I was just going to say that doesn't fit well in somewhere like a school that's built upon yeah. rules. <laughs> you have to follow the rules like everyone else. Yeah. Would you say having autism, um, how would that actually affect you? Like, did you notice you've always had, always had something like not quite right with yourself? You know, did you, you know, like little habits or how you'd sort of in social situations would you how would you view interactions or was it never really a problem how what what did you kind of realize mm, i might have autism or something wrong here i don't know i always see things differently to other people but obviously to me it's not different so it's very no. hard to explain but no. you see a lot of people with autism can have limited intelligence with it but because i was as intelligent and as streetwise as most people it was really hard for me to understand what autism is for me because why aren't i it, to me it was like i just denied it to be honest because it was like yeah. it was like having a label on you and you didn't want it and especially yeah, with cool. someone who I wouldn't say I was popular, but, you know, I was known. <clears throat> so to have mm. something like that on you, that, again, was a horrible sort of... It was like someone pointing at you saying, you're different. You're, there's some, because it wasn't, it wasn't really a, a known thing then. It was only sort of coming to fruition. Uh, right, yeah. Sort of those years. You know, it was, it was kind of a new thing. Mm. Um, but one, the good thing about having that is I respond to people that are straight to the point. Yeah, which is why there was um, a teacher in the um, school. Do you remember the um, what was it called? The, oh, the unit. The unit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a lot of people were terrified of that teacher, but I got on with her really well because she just. Yeah, um, I think me and Dale know exactly who you're. We know who you. Yeah, we yeah. know exactly who you're on. Because she told me how it was. There was no fluffing. There was no, you toe the line or you're gonna get it. Mm. And I think it's just a different thing because obviously you have to. It, once there's a problem, the first thing you've got to do is accept it, and that's the hardest yeah. part. But then once you accept it, then you start to learn about yourself, and then you start realizing that you're not. You know, the thing is with me, if I think I'm right, I'm adamant that I'm right. Of course, yeah. Which is where strong-headed, yeah. Which I think is where I clash with the teachers because in my yeah. mind, I'm right and I'm not backing down. Yeah. But obviously, I, I, no you know, you're not always right, and I think that's being. I think with all that going on, and just being a 15 year old yourself, mm. that's why I was so up and down and all over the place because I yeah. never really knew what was going on within myself, kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That actually, uh, Tom. Um, but you know, in terms of when you you just said that you didn't want to be labelled as aut aut you know autism or autistic, um, if you don't mind me asking, as a man or a young boy, did you kind of feel a bit 
demasculated, if that makes sense, because you didn't want to be seen as weak. If, if do you know where I'm coming from? I know, it's yeah, a, yeah, massive. bit of a sensitive sort of question. But did you kind of feel like I need to be a strong man here? Because I, with someone with cerebral palsy, I do understand having a condition which puts you not necessarily weak, but it puts you where uh, it means you've got more ground to cover. It puts you below the line, so you've got more stuff. Did you feel like there was a constant urge to prove yourself? Say, I may have autism, but if I do this, that, and that, no one can call me autistic, sort of thing. I think maybe deep down psychologically, definitely, because it's like okay. it, it, it certainly sort of hit the ego. Because I had that was my biggest problem. Yeah. I had a yeah. big ego as well, but I think I had a big yeah. ego. Now, if you if you've done any psychology, you'll understand there's a lot more to just an ego. There's loads yeah. behind it. But with me and then having such an ego, I had it tested an awful lot. And I yeah. think, like with having with having to have a kid at fifteen, and then I had a full custody at seventeen. So I moved out at seventeen, had my own house. Yeah, so like. I grew up quick and I moved. I didn't really have any friends pretty quick as well. Uh, yeah, because you're only a teenager, really. And to suddenly say, I have a kid, and then you had to fight through the legal system as a kid and probably didn't get as much help, didn't probably have a job yet at 15 and then get full custody. You were like, all right, well, now time. Now I got to be straight here. I got to get my, you know, I got to get my act together. got to get a job so I can provide for this child. Got to make sure this child goes to school makes works hard make sure there's a roof over the head and food so it's a big responsibility to have for a 17 year old um how did that make you feel having that sort of responsibility at such a young age it was really stressful but it kind of it changed everything for me mm. yeah you know i there's nothing that will grow you up like that yeah and um the hard part was it felt like I was leaving everybody else behind in a sense because I grew up so quick because you're not look, you're not thinking about yourself anymore. Every single no. scenario or situation you're in, there's someone else that comes before you. And I think exactly. that really worked for me because sometimes people need that, you know, that, that reason to sort of stick it out or whatever. And it, to be honest, yeah. it's, it made me massively... I wouldn't That's be good. who I am now as a person. I'd like to think I'm a pretty decent person. But no, I, you definitely are. I wouldn't be the person I am now without her, 100%. I think if yeah. I didn't have her, my little one, um, I could have easily gone the other way. Yeah. And did you kind of feel, if you don't mind me asking, did you kind of feel when you had your kid, did you kind of think to yourself, oh, I can't pursue my dreams anymore, I have to stay home and work? Or did you still feel like you could uh, pursue your dreams? How how was that sort of feel? How was that sort of feeling? We like, oh, I could have done this or I could have done that. Do you know what I'm, do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah. I, for me, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah. All I wanted to do really was... <laughs> I suppose just once I grew up a bit, all I wanted to do was help people and just be remembered as someone that was there for people and, yeah, you know, the, the whole legacy thing. That's all I really want. I'm not someone that's materialistic, even though I've just got a big no. But money-wise, it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm a saver. Right. I just save my money and that's it. I don't spend yeah. anything yeah. on myself because I don't care about materialistic things. See, we never bothered about making millions or no. you know, having a big house and driving like a Ferrari or a Lambo. You just wanted a decent house, decent car, and help people sort of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty. Nah. Yeah, I just want because you can have millions, but what difference does? Yeah, you know. Well, Anthony Joshua. I was speaking to a friend, a friend of ours, Anthony Joshua. Apparently, you know, he's this, you know, accomplished boxer, but he, he still, I, he, I don't know if he's moved out, but he, he still, um, last time I spoke, this was a few years ago. He still lives at home with his mum in the same place where he grew up because, you know, he doesn't really want a mansion. He just wants to be, you know, he, you know, he just wants to be known as a boxer, but he just wants to live with his, you know, you know, he still wants to live with his, you know, fam, family and friends live in the community. He doesn't want to separate and make these like celebrity friends. I think um, that's so I do, important in life is your friends, yeah, family, everything else is all a human-made concept that just doesn't yeah. exist. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, um, Tom, you, you say you, you've been diagnosed with uh, autism. Uh, how does that affect you in social interactions now as an adult, or does it affect you at all in social uh, situations? Um, I wouldn't say it does affect me, if I'm honest. The only time it does... Is if certain if so if certain things happen and I don't like it, I I see I see my ass about it. I really don't like it. Oh, uh, like swimming out of your routine, sort of thing. No, not even that because I don't really have a routine. It's more okay. My biggest thing is it an injustice. So if someone does something that's massively wrong, I can't let it go. Do you know what I mean? You know, some people will brush it off. It is what it is. I can't. Yeah. I hold on to it like a dog to a bone. And I think that's right. really one of my biggest traits. Yeah. Um, but then I don't know if you could put that down to the autism or is that just because I have, I'm quite a moral person. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard, really. It's hard to tell. Um, I'd say yeah, I, I do, I, I do um, fixate on things massively, but it's just what. Yeah, see, I'm I'm the same. I I feel like I fixate on something. Like you say, if something doesn't, if something it doesn't sit right for me, like that's all I can think about for like a day or two. Yeah, and you I can't get, you can't get rid of the emotion mm. as hard as you try. Yeah, and you're like trying to get rid of it, but you just can't. But then. Obviously, but then, like, after, like, a day or two, it kind of starts fading now. I don't know if that's the same with you. Yeah, yeah. It's hard yeah. because you fixate, but I'm impulsive as well, and then not a good combination. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I suppose a lot of good... Everyone with aut- uh, everyone in the world on the spectrum of autism, people just have different traits of it or different experiences of it and some so you can have it really high some low some you know mine's only very low it's not it's not you know like you so you have like a medium a high and a um a low mine's on the yeah. lower side so it's only certain things it's only little one or two things um that were worse when i was younger really um but what's interesting is because I understand it and I know what it's like, you can see it in other people that won't know they've got that. Oh, do you think so? Like you, so you can recognize it in people now, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, like people just like who just chatty in the street or like people, you know, so like or... my mum, she's one of the most intelligent people. I know she's been a nurse for 20 odd years. She's a band seven nurse. You know, she, she's, yeah, she's very clever, but, certain situations she gets massively overwhelmed and that's a big 
one of the biggest traits of um, of having a diagnosis of autism is you certain situations feel like you're in a disco and all the lights are gone, yeah. and all the noise are surrounding you. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but like back then, you know, like your mum's era and stuff like that, and that era, like autism wasn't even like a thing or anything. Like a lot of oh, people now who are, like, who are like that age, a lot of people in like you know forties, fifties, sixties. They, there's a lot of people with undiagnosed autism going around and it's like they've just accepted it because no one's ever told them anything different, a, which is I don't think is Yeah, right. it's a bit like Forrest Gump almost. Like they knew there was something wrong with him, but they didn't realise he had autism, if that made sense. If they knew he had autism and the training and the equipment was there and the education was there, he would have had a very different life. Um, you know. But in those days, they would have just said, that person's got autism, they're not working school, and they would just be there cut off into the um, edges of society, cast away almost. But it's not because they were necessarily malice towards those sort of people. It was just because they didn't have the understanding nor the education to... Um, to help them and help them pr- progress in society. I think what a big problem is in, um, in I think in society in general, slightly off topic, but I think it stems from schools. Yeah. Being open about things or being honest and straight with things, it, it doesn't suit, it doesn't happen enough. No, people it don't. It, no. it just gets brushed under the rug, or like you, you're just supposed to not. Especially as a man. Yeah, yeah. But it is, you know. You, no, it is. It's like your feelings don't matter. That's and, that's exactly how I feel, especially with a condition. Sometimes it's just that this is how it is. The loneliness and the separation. It doesn't matter. You're on your own. So I I know exactly where you're coming from by that, Tom. Yeah, and it's not nice, and I think it needs to change massively. Mm, and the only way I think you can change is just stick to what you're doing. Yeah, because I I, I I follow sort of one rule, if you like, in life, and yes. it's no matter what scenario you face, no matter how difficult it is, because there'll be people way worse off than I am. You know, I'm definitely hundred percent. I'm, I'm I'm not hard done by. No, but. I think if you can stay true to who you should think you are, despite whatever's thrown at you, I think that's where like real strength lies, and I stand by that. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. That- it's like your um, it's like your honor, and it's like your word is a you know, no one can ever take that from you. No, but that's how it used to be. You know, back in back in the day, God, it's not that old now. Back in the day, people had morals and people stood for what was right and all that. This day and age, that's just all out the window. No, they do what's what's yeah. where it's popular or whatever's trending. They don't think, do I actually believe in it? Uh, virtual Virtue signaling, which is... Do you know what virtual signaling is, Tom? No, I've not, not heard of that. So virtual signaling is a term that a lot of progressives use nowadays. Um, take, for example... Um, so say for example homelessness they might not go and they might not volunteer at a soup kitchen but what they might do is they might give a homeless man say a tenner and take a photo with that homeless person and be like look how good I am but they're not uh, doing yeah. it because they care or because they want that person to eat they're just doing it for the likes subscribes uh, on their, their social yeah. media and you know for the instant gratification see I've got one that this will this will mess with your head a little bit so, you know, when you do something for someone because you really want to make them happy, yeah, and you really care, yeah, 
it's an it's an interesting debate but are you only doing that because that makes you happy that it makes them happy oh, that's a good point actually do you mean like say if you like the girl and then you did something nice for that girl and then she sort of rejected you do you mean it like that or do you just mean in general terms really so like you want you want a bmw dylan it's something you've always want yeah and I get that you, because I know it'll make you happy. But yeah. because you're happy, that makes me happy. So am I doing yeah. that for my own, not for my own gain, but do you know what I mean? Are we all secretly striving to make our own happiness? I, I just... I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I believe in that, because, you know, you're obviously... There is the opposite. So what you've said is correct, definitely. But I think there is an opposite argument to that, say, for, say, like... Um, so say if someone needed something but you didn't do this so say right here's a here's an example say you say you see a homeless person in the street and uh they're like you you think to yourself oh what could i do for this homeless person like but you don't want to give them money but you want to make them happy say for like two hours so but what you know you shouldn't do is give them drugs or alcohol yeah right? you know you shouldn't you should know you shouldn't do that but you know if you give them drugs or alcohol they're going to be happy. So you end up giving them, say, like a bottle of whiskey. Say you don't, it's not making you happy, but it's making them happy. So I, like I said, I think it just depends on the situation. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can, you can be, you can do something for someone that you don't look, that you don't want to do, but you know, it's going to make them happy. Mm. But I think like what you said, Tom, the most of the cases are you're doing something for someone else because you know it's going to make them happy but it's also you're doing it for yourself as well but i think that's in most cases but that's not necessarily a bad thing though because if not i'm not saying give a homeless man say alcohol but if you gave say you gave that person a meal then it's like you've done a good thing then and i think the gratification yeah but that's different i think because you're giving them a meal you know it's exactly what tom said you're giving them a meal because you know that's beneficial to them and that's going to make them happy by making you happy. But if you give them something that's not good for them, e.g. alcohol or drugs, mm. you know it's going to make them but it's not going to make you happy. If you know yeah, what but mean? it's false happiness, isn't it? Because that homeless, say you give that homeless person a bottle of scotch or a, some cocaine or a, weed, a bit of weed, they'll be happy in the short run, but once they smoke, smoke that, snort it or drunk it, the effects won't worn off. They're going to be back to round one again and be unhappy. So surely wouldn't it be better to give the homeless person some food because then you know that person's eating today, you know? Yeah, I suppose it's like... Yeah, but then- I- short-term yeah. happiness or long-term happiness but then what might be making what, what you might think will be happy might not necessarily be what they think do you know what i mean it's, it's yeah. a really yeah it's a, it's a it's a it's an interesting that is an interesting uh debate on looking at doing stuff for others it's like but then any but then anything like that's this is another side of that debate debate because then you giving someone something it can be it doesn't matter if it's food alcohol or drugs you d- giving someone something it could be anything because food could be seen as like a drug once that person eats that f- hot meal like say for example then like two hours later they're going to be sad because they're hungry again so it's like an endless cycle like uh, yeah yeah of course but then the food is much more beneficial than the alcohol and drugs you know if they have nutrients yeah well it's perspective isn't it like you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's, i think you can just do things from the heart i think that's what i always try and do yeah i find it really hard to say no to people because mm-hmm. i know what it's like to go without 
So I like sort of save all my money, but then I, I just spend it on everybody else. Not not really my friends, but, you know, like my partner or, or my daughter or my mum or my dad or... Yeah. Them, and are you doing that because you know that's going to make them happy yeah. and that'll make you happy? Yeah, I think because I know what it's yeah. like to not have that because I never had that. Not that I never had that. Yeah, I never you- had... I never had money to go and do this or do that or just different things, really. I'm happy with having a nice car, a nice house. You know, I've got my little one, I've got my partner. That's enough for me. I've got a job where I look after people. Um, it's a really interesting job, actually, because I work I work in care, but I, I work in mental health homes sometimes. Fantastic. And, oh, my God, they're brilliant. Honestly, yeah. they're some of the funniest people I've ever met. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a bit more yeah, about uh, what you've helped on? So it's, I did my nursing last year, um, but I left because it was it was too stressful with having a little one. It was just too much. Mm. So I went back to what I knew, which was just working in care. And I've only been there a couple of months. Um, but it's good that at the minute I'm, I can work anywhere I want because I work through agency. Right. Um, but at the minute, I'm in this one home quite um, consistently, and it's a mental health home. Um, so it's, you're dealing with people with like bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, multiple personality disorder. Um, and do you know what I find working there? A lot of people don't give them, they're, they're not understanding at all. It's like, mm. because they're difficult, oh, they're, they're treating them like a normal person that's being difficult. And they're like, yeah. oh, do you know what I mean? Like they're a nuisance. Whereas I don't, I don't look at things like that. No, no, of course. Different. I talk yeah. to people. I I'm a bit old school. It doesn't matter what shoes you got on. It doesn't matter what car you drive. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'll treat you the same as everybody else. And um, I think that's why I get on so well in care. Because for people that have done care that listen to this, they'll know what I mean. And I think the problem you've got within care is you've got a lot of people that don't actually care. Yeah. But the thing is, these people know that. But because I'm quite honest, open, and I do care, and I'll do what I can for people, I really get on. I really enjoy my job, and people, you know, enjoy me being there. You know, I've not been there long, and every morning, I, you know, I get, you know, oh, Tom, you're all right. You know, all different residents saying, you know, yeah. asking if you're all right and stuff, and that that goes a long way. <laughs> Yeah, it makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in their life. Yeah, so do you do you feel generally that people who work in care, so, you know, some of them are just doing it for the paycheck, if that makes sense, they're not doing yeah. it because they want to yeah. help people? Yeah, massively. Right, okay, okay. And it's not nice to see, to be honest. No, no, no. I was going to say, like, if you don't mind, but obviously mention, like, uh, you don't have to mention anything, but, like, has there been scenarios in the past where you've kind of seen a certain thing and been like, oh, I don't agree with that, what you're doing? The methods behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah, people don't look outside of the box, <coughs> whereas I, I'm quite good at that at times. Um it's simple things like people think with care or nursing right you just you do things that the book tells you to do when it doesn't work like that sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is just sit down and talk to someone and if you can get that trust with them they'll let you do anything but people just go in there and what i always try and envision right is whoever this person is that could be my mum and dad at some point yeah how would how would i want them to be treated 
and it works. Yeah, that's a good way of looking it at it. It works an absolute wonder. And I just, I just, I wish people, more people would think like that. Um, well, hopefully, a lot of people that are maybe in care uh, right now and are the opposite to you, then you know, hopefully, they might listen to this and kind of change their ways. Maybe I hope so. I hope so because there is good people out there, but they seem to be so few and far between. It's it's hard to find them. It is. It's like police officers. Like it's it's the same argument for yeah, them. Like there are good police officers out there that genuinely want to make a difference and help. But then again, there are bad, some corrupt, bad police officers that don't want to make a difference and don't want to help people. But unfortunately, you only hear about them. You only hear about the bad of the good. And that and that gives a broad and then that gives society like an idea of police officers where. You know, if you went and actually talked to like a load of different police officers, there are good ones there, but we only hear in the media of like bad ones. You the know, bad I mean? ones get seem to get spotlighted almost. Like, I yeah, think. I mean, fair. that's a different topic, I suppose. But I think the media massively um, pushes not an agenda, but it pushes negativity. There's not a lot of positivity that are pushed, you know, pushed by them. Of course, I think the reason of that is is because sim- simply negativity sells. If that makes sense, yeah. if everything was happy and peaceful, it wouldn't sell. But if you have negative sort of a struggle and it's being over-exaggerated, then it sells. You know, they're very similar, for example, the Hillsborough incident. That was an example where the media sort of fabricated lies about the um, Liverpool fans saying that they, uh, you know, um, weed on the dead bodies of them and stole the wallets, which is completely false. In fact, if anything, they were the biggest, one of the biggest victims of the uh, Hillsborough disaster. Um, and I don't know if you remember learning about that in public services, about the uh, failure of the police, because it was actually in that scenario, it was a combination of the police just letting people in and at the time the cage um, sort of like the fencing um, on the stands so they wouldn't let uh, fans go on the pitch but then the media especially the newspaper demitized the whole city of Liverpool because they made it sound like one because it, they knew it could sell and two it demonized it, it was also like we'll get a more people like from the right wing to sort of buy our paper and sort of yeah you see my stance on it was as a United fan I thought it was disgusting some of the mm. that City were coming out with because yeah, even as a United fan the, the, we wouldn't say things like that no, there's a line do you know what I mean yeah of course of course I, I I, mean I don't think it was necessarily I mean it was about Liverpool fans but it was because they knew that the vast majority of Liverpool fans were that they were from you know they were from, they were Liverpool they were, they were from Liverpool themselves so it was to well, you haven't got any fans, have they? <laughs> no, they don't, do they? They're all, they're all, uh, they're all glory hunters. Are they all now Chelsea fans, are they? Or? Well, I don't know. They just switched, don't they? Well, I'm a Chelsea fan, so... It was a good game yesterday, yeah. 1-1. Oh, it was, oh, it was, a I was game, absolutely gutted at the end. So gutted. Oh, you know what, though... You know, they'd been pushing, they pushed to the end, like fair enough to United, you know, they didn't stop pushing and they got what the, you know, they probably, you know what, a draw was a good result, I think, for that game because they're both teams putting in a shot. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I'm, I don't know what's going on with Liverpool at the minute. Though. Oh, I don't know, to be honest, you know, I, I thought Nunes was a good signing, turns out he isn't. Um, one nil lost to oh, no, Forest, wasn't he? I yeah. just, I miss Mane so much. I really, really miss Mane so much. I just like... 
Since Do you know what I think money, is, da, 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 da. Oh, money, money. I miss the money, I money. So much. <laughs> Do you know what I think it is? I think you did so well last year. Yeah. You know, you nearly got the quadruple. And I think because you came short on all of them, it's got to affect you mentally as a team. And I think that's what's up with yeah. you at the minute. Of course. I think you yeah. need a player to come in. Bit like a Casemiro, you yeah. know, that's won it all. Come in and say, right, let's do, you know get a hold of the team because Henderson's not doing it anymore. You need no. a player um, like a Coutinho, really, just to come in and just grab yeah. grab your team by the neck and you know pull you through it. Yeah, I think we're trying to win the quadruple. I think it was we just got exhausted. We were doing yeah. too much, and I think they could all see it. You know, everyone was just exhausted, and I think. But also, the yeah. but also, it's like a pressure on Liverpool now to actually win everything. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that pressure will get to you, like you know, because the you know, if you're doing so well, the pressure, like I know, I don't care what anyone no, says. I agree People say, oh, "I'm good under pressure. I'm good under pressure." Like everyone isn't a hundred percent on pressure. Like some, I in some ways, I I do think pressure does help, but obviously, some ways it can be negative. If you're one of the biggest teams, you know. No, go on, Tom, what are you saying? Some people thrive in pressure, but then other people don't. You know, it's yeah. it's one of them. But I think I, you can, the constant pressure it yeah, yeah. thing, you know. There but you this go. is so, the thing. And, that, that kind of goes back to what we were saying. Everyone now is going to be sort of putting that pressure on Klopp. So mm. how much good he's done, yeah. as soon as it's going wrong... Everyone's homing in on the negativity, and that's I know, I know. life. <laughs> Unbelievable! It's the same with it Leicester is, City. Is. You know, they they had that season where they won the Premier League, and then they um, they um, and then afterwards they didn't win. I think they came. They didn't, they, I think they were still top four, or they were fifth, or something like that. So they weren't even on the lower end of the table. And then they sacked the manager. And I remember, I remember Lineker saying he they were like they sat the manager. They should be building statues of him. He was the only person who got them into the Premier League and to win, you know. But he, again, you know, this came back to no one cares about your achievements. Only there when you fail, you know. Yeah, massively. And I think that was what's wrong with the world, really. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So. Um... I'm just going back to your uh, back to you kind of time a bit more is what's your life like now like um, obviously say you're working and like do you just feel like you're a completely different person to who you are in school or are you still certain ways the same person um, I'd say I'm completely different to be honest I'm I'm quite mature I'm grown up I have I have a lot of pressures that people don't deal with until they're in their 30s and I've had since I was 17 yeah you know paying bills looking after a child you know I suppose everyone works but pressures that you know the the, the difficult pressures to um, I have to face decisions that are really difficult so like with my daughter's mum she's you know she's hard work and there's been hundreds of occasions where I wanted to get really, really angry about a snitch situation, but I have to put that aside because of what's best for my little one. And to course, do that yeah. at such a young age, it's really difficult to do. So I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm completely different. I think maturity-wise, I'm completely different. However, two or three pints, 
game changer. Because I go on. What going to say? I just going to say. I think that's when like my young little boy, if you like, um, yeah. comes out because he's had to be suppressed to be this adult in a in in this world. I think that's when I have a I have a drink. It I go a bit a bit loose with it. Yeah, loopy. Um, yeah. It's kind of like an it's like an escape, like it's just kind of like escape from being an adult that you had to be at some at such a young age, yeah, like massively. Because I suppose you're in a bit of a predicament because um, from what you're saying, I, I assume your daughter, you and your daughter's mum are not on the best of terms. Really, I don't think you know. I wouldn't say. No, your I mean we're a lot better than where we were. Yeah, but I mean she's an interesting topic as well because. She had a really rough upbringing, and I yeah. think I think that's kind of it. This does feel like it's a late to nurture debate, and I'm yeah, of course. I'm 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 massively for nurture. I think what you have, I think I wouldn't be who I am without the parents I had, and without my little one. Um, yeah, of course. But my parents massively, you know, they're both brilliant parents they're firm they're fair but they're great you can go and have a drink with them and have a laugh with them and that's i think that's, that's, so, in, that's so important because mm. i think it's a different relationship from say your father and his father or their father where you know that line was he was the parent you know what i mean that it's there do you know what i'm trying to say you know yeah. parents from the past you know like my my grandfather, you know, um, from Guyana, South America, he's not really a strict Hindu, but you would never... I remember once I went to a pub with Bill. We, came, we were in London and um, went to the pub because he doesn't like... My granddad doesn't like drunk people. He drinks, but he doesn't like it if you're drunk, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think he believes it's a lack of control. Um, and I went to the pub with Bill. I had two pints of Guinness. I wasn't even drunk. I wouldn't even say I was tipsy. I was at most merry. And I come home yeah. and he goes to me, how much have you had, Bill? And I said, oh, I only had two pints. He goes, two pints. And I was like, granddad, two pints of Guinness isn't that much. And then grandma's like, yeah, granddad, it's not that much. But I think it's a generation thing. Um, you have to sort of, because when I go over there, it's not like, oh yeah, let's go out drinking. It's much more you know, we sit and I, I I enjoy it, but we can't, you couldn't get like, say at Christmas, we go there every Christmas, you couldn't get absolutely drunk and drink a load, if that makes sense, because it's yeah. very respectful. But on the other side to that, I think sort of the some generations, drinking's a massive thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you've got to adapt, haven't you, to the times? Mm, you have to adapt with the times, 100%. You have to be a progressive and look look outward and see what's life going to be like. And you can't have sort of like, because in, in my, you know, in my dad and mum's generation, when they were, when they had problems with their mental health or problems growing up, you couldn't really be uh, as open as parents. But I'm sure, you know, when, you know, you're, you're a, father now tom um you when your daughter can see you you want her to be open with you i suppose especially when she becomes a bit older and she's got problems in school or whatever if you say oh dad i've got this problem you want her to be open have a good relationship with her yeah massively i don't want her to ever really feel feel the way i felt i suppose yeah 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 but i i didn't feel the way i felt because of my parents that was just I didn't know how to handle life, and I think that's no. where school can be improved. At times, they need to they well, need to advocate I, yeah, for mind, it more, yeah. more mental health side of things. Mm, so it's like I, with I, you, Dylan. I know mm. you struggled um, at times with school, but yeah. and in terms of like your reading and writing, 
they were great, but I, I can imagine. No, I, I was wise. I was were... bad at writing, but reading, I was all right. And my, I suppose my mental health. I didn't really. I, I got quite low in sixth form. I, I knew you went with me in sixth form, but I got quite low. I hated sixth form, and I. You've always said I was always quite a good kid in sixth form. I wasn't. I was bored. I was unhappy. I mean, Bill will say this. There were times in the common room I just put my headphones just zone out because I hated it so much. I just felt like I had no one. No, no, none of the teachers would understand it. Do you know what I mean? I felt like I don't belong here. You know. Yeah. What um um in school in the school system, Tom, especially the secondary school, what do you think they should implement to help people like yourself, say with autism, undiagnosed autism, or like people with uh, young kids with mental health issues? What 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 type of stuff should they start doing to change the system? If you know what I mean. Well. It's a hard one because I think you've got to tailor it to the individual. But what helped me, <laughs> I started being allowed to come into school at 10, which yeah. was different to everyone else. But that worked for me because I was someone that needed sleep. And if I didn't get it, I was my performance levels were shocking. Yeah. So that extra hour helped me massively but just having someone with you to break things down for you yeah, if you get too overwhelmed or too in your head or you can't figure something out just having that someone there to break things down for you or explain something to you when you might you know might have misjudged it wrong i think that's that's a big big thing and i had that with that you know person we were talking about in, mm. in the unit she massively helped because if i got the wrong end of something she would break it down for me now if i push my luck best believe she'll tell me but she took a massive liking to me because she could yeah. see me for who i really was and i think Your potential yeah, I think you need people that will just see things uh, different to everybody else, a bit outside of the box. I think that. But then how would you find that if you're not someone who thinks that? Do you know if you're like a head teacher and you're looking for people who think like that, you're not going to yeah. know how to look for that if you don't think like that. I do think in some situations the head teachers are removed from their students, if that makes sense. They don't really have a relationship with the students. Um, I mean, I, I've always thought the head teacher should come in and not just have the people who are like good, you know, like the goody two shoes, but they should talk to all students, students like yourself who've been referral, the average students and everyone just so they get their idea and try and have a relationship. It's like, I don't know, being a CEO of a business, but speak to everyone, not just heads of department, but the everyday accountant or the everyday office worker, warehouse worker and the janitor. And then you have a better understanding of how the companies run. Um, it's interesting you brought up sleep there, Tom, actually, because there was a study and I think it was Scandinavia study. I think it was a state in one of the Scandinavian countries. And it showed that when uh, lads are going for puberty, that they need more sleep. Because I think a lot of lads didn't actually sleep at night because of the hormones and whatnot. And what they were saying was it's better because we had like a half eight start, but we finished at quarter to three. It was better that we they start at 10, you know, so they have full sleep. And then they finish at, say, four or five, so they can have a amount of sleep. Because I think if you think of over the years of secondary school, a lot of people would have definitely failed because of what you're saying, not enough sleep and they couldn't concentrate in the lessons. I think the school is a bit of a flawed system, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you look into it, it's all based upon memory. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you could be in, more intelligent than me, for example, Bill, but 
I've got twice the memory as you. So because I can remember yeah, more things on a test, it doesn't matter how much we've revised, I'm going to do better. So that mm. means I should get, I can get a better job. I think exactly. I've I've heard that uh, before. Yeah. Like you know, school is a memory. It's all about memory, and like you know, you could be. You could say be like the most, and you could be like sitting there one day and think of the best scientific theory that's going to change humanity, but you won't, you can't, you can't remember what you had for breakfast. Yeah, like. massive, I think they need to sort of look at different ways because school doesn't equip you for life. Definitely not, hundred percent. I mean, as what you said, Tom, all school is. Remember these. Remember these. For, for if we talk about maths, for example, or science, remember these formulas. Remember these formulas. You get all these formulas. You get an A, but it doesn't really test your intelligence. It just, as you said, if you can pass a test, so you're a top student. But that doesn't mean you're a smarter student. It just means you can remember what's on the paper. You know, it's not. Well, no, what it is, I think. I think the the skill you need for school is what remembering stuff that you actually don't care yeah. about. Like I, I'm, I can remember loads of stuff that I'm genuinely interested in. But if I'm not interested in something, my brain like switches off because I just don't want to know about it. But like the skill of school is forcing yourself to actually remember stuff that you don't care about, and that's how you're going to do well. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, that, that's a very good point. Schools do sort of if you go to more private schools, acad- um, academies, they focus more on, um. I think they focus more on sort of, um, let's see, they focus more on sort of Appl- application. It's the application they, they, of yeah, knowledge. So they they tailor, they almost tailor your education experience towards what type of person you are, rather than you got a pass these to get an A to you know to, to go on to next level. The one subject I really found exactly. interesting. Exactly. So um, I um, yeah. So do you reckon the school system still needs a reform? Yeah. Then, well, absolutely. Like I said, I think it's very outdated. I think it's the same sort of um, education that we've had since the Victorian era, and or the nineteenth century rather as well. And it hasn't really evolved since then into a growing time, you know. Um, yeah. You know, people make people make the argument that we shouldn't even have homework. To be honest with you, because the uh, a mind can only do so much work in a day. And then imagine, say, you get up at half eight, you start your lessons at say quarter to nine, you finish at quarter to three in the afternoon. You know, your mind can only go for so long, if that makes sense. And then to come home and have three, four hours of studying, it's too much. I oh, know. Like I remember sometimes when I used to get back from school, I would just literally throw my bag down and just like lie on my bed and have like a I sleep for like I you'd be so tired, I, wouldn't you, coming back from school? Yeah. I would um I would um I would go home. I would go home and go to bed and wake up at seven. I'd go to bed, literally sleep me yeah, every yeah. day. because I've just exhaustion. I'd go home, go to bed and wake up at seven. That's mad. Yeah, so it is like it's it takes it away somehow. I don't know what it is. It's like it's like prepare. It's supposed to prepare you for like the nine to five job because yeah. you've got like a routine. Yeah. But like you know, some people don't want a nine to well, five job. Like they want to do time, You know, some people, some people work. Say, I don't know, work well between the hours of ten in the morning till seven o'clock at night, or seven o'clock at night or two in the yeah. morning. So it's whenever you yeah, you do a thing really. What type of um? There are obviously benefits to school. So uh, uh, Dylan and Tom, like as well, I'll ask you about this. What benefits are there to school? 
Because the first one I can think of is it improves your communication skills where other you socializes better. Yeah, social yeah. social interactions it improves. I think. I think that's the main one, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's the main benefit of school. Yeah, isn't absolutely. Because they notice a lot of people who homeschool their children, they don't have that. But now, what they do is they have a community of people who homeschool their children, and they might go to say someone else's uh, house to say one lesson, say PE, and then another for say history, and then another for English and maths. So there is a community. But before that, you just have it all done by your parents, which. I'm not necessarily against, but then I think it limits the person's development on how to socialize in a bay in, in, in school. Yeah, it does. And also, like, I am not saying I'm I'm not saying this in a way where I think some of the discipline is. I do think the way some uh, students get disciplined is bad. I think in certain sweet. ways. Yeah, it is. It is. But, like, obviously you learn, like, um, some sort of discipline anyway, at least at school. Like, I'm not saying it's the right type of discipline. But you do learn something, you know. But, yeah. but then an argument, and uh, Tom, you'll know this person. Do you remember this one teacher in the unit, um, and Bill, he was on Duke of Edinburgh this, he never used to want to be referred to as his surname. It was always his first name. Do you remember yeah. that? yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then therefore we gave him more respect. Because he, of that. I'd be like, "You're right, sir." He'd be like, "I haven't got my knifehood. Don't call me sir." And um, do, you, do you remember him in the unit? Is that he would uh, when he was um, taking uh, registration, he'd get the name wrong on purpose. Do you remember him telling us that? So then yeah. they, the, yeah. the, the student could correct them because what he said was that you get a lot of these kids who are naughty brackets, but in reality is is that they're not naughty. They're just that they're always seem to be in the wrong. No, not in the wrong, but being told they're in the wrong when they're not necessarily are in the wrong. So by getting their name wrong, it gave them a chance to correct the register that they would um, have a chance of, oh, hang on a minute, it's not all like about authority, it's about a learning, really, a learning experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Tom, um, so now, you know, you're doing your care and stuff now and, you know, you're loving it and stuff like that. You know, where do you where do you see yourself in the future? What do you see yourself doing in the future? Um, I've always wanted to make... A big difference somehow. I don't know how I'm going to do that. It might even be just doing this sort of thing that you and Dylan are doing, but I just want to be able to sort of advocate for people that think and feel the way I do, and maybe there is more people that do that. I think that's the only thing that I feel like is missing, really, in my life, being able to make a bigger difference than just those around me kind of thing. Yeah, and that just goes back to how much of a good heart you have, you know. You just want to make a difference for people and uh, stuff like that. So, and as we're just, I'm, I'm, let's just uh, start finalising things up on this podcast now and start bringing things to a close. So um, I just want to ask you, Tom, so if anyone's listening to this podcast, a young girl, young lad, it doesn't matter who it is, um, they're feeling the way you were feeling that, uh, during the early parts of school, what advice do you want to give them now to help them through their experience? I suppose the first thing would be it gets better. Um, the second thing don't be afraid to stand up for what you think's right because not enough people do do that no no and the third one own whatever it is and don't be afraid to reach out to people because there is good people that exist 
um, there's a lot of fake people and you figure that out yourself. Um, but just stay true to who you are and people will like you for who you are and if they don't, it's their loss, isn't it? But I think that comes with experience. Mm. But more than anything, just know that there is other people that are like-minded. You've just got to find them. Definitely. You know, there, there are some wise, wise words there. And uh, I'm sure Dill will say oh, the same in a second when he's... But um, I just want to say, you know, Tom, thank you to you for having the, you know, the confidence and the bravery to come on the podcast to talk to me and Dill today. You know, um, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of, you know, a lot of guts to come on and talk about your life and because it's very personal to you and it's very sensitive to you. But like you said, you know, as Dill will say something in a minute, you know, you want, you have a big heart and I know that you want to help people and you know that you doing this podcast with us will people will listen to it and benefit from some people might look at it and think oh yeah whatever but there might be them odd few that are like do you know what i remember him in school he was a bit of a nightmare and he talks a lot of sense now so maybe it does you know make 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 some small difference because that's what life's about i think it is and like i said to you before you know i always see life like this if you could just it doesn't matter how many people you ha- you help if you could just help even say one person like you don't have to ha- you don't have to help 100 people a week if you're to say helping one person a week or one person a month then it's all worth it all that you're doing is worth it and especially that relates to this podcast if you could just help it even if it's just what that one person um through their life and school whatever listening to this then you've done you've done your job because that one person could have been you tom you know what i mean yeah. that listened yeah massively especially with online as well which is what you two are doing because that's where everything is these days yeah it is definitely do you have um any final thought words that- i did I, i'm very sorry my my i got cut out of the podcast my wi-fi went down for a second and i didn't want to more questions about um in manchester i don't know if you were um, asked that or not bill but um you know, I know you no, moved to Manchester for a few weeks. What what was Manchester like compared to North Wales, Tom, if you don't mind me asking? Um, a lot different. In Manchester, mm. it's... So around here, people think they're it. Yeah. In places like Manchester, they are it. Yeah. There's no... Yeah. There's no fluffing. No. Bill will tell you the same with Ireland. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they don't yeah. mess about. It, if, if you're going to act the man, you're going to get found out pretty quick. Of course, yeah. And I think that, for me, in the brief time I was there, you kind of realise, yeah, you're not you're not, you're not, not big and hard like you think you no. are. You're no. a small fish in a big pond, exactly. do you know what I mean? Exactly. And I think for a young age, that did help me sort of yeah. appreciate my ho- home life as well. Of course. Yeah. Uh, because it was hectic where I went. Um, it was cousins, but their life's just so different. And, yeah. You know, um, not going into detail. My um, when I was down there six weeks, I think it was later. My one of my cousins that was there went down for murder mm. just to give you an, you know, an idea of what it life's like down there. A different ballpark. Yeah, and it makes you appreciate. Well, I haven't got that, so why am I? Because some, I think everyone's a victim in their own story. Yeah, I suppose it is. Suppose it is. Um, what was the school? Did you go to school in Manchester, or did you just? Uh, did you... It was over the um, holidays. Oh, so they're actually in school. Weeks. Yeah, and then I was in my head. I was like, "Shall I stay here? Shall I not?" Yeah. And I couldn't wait to go home. In the end, yeah. it was nice to get a break. But yeah, 
it was nice to, to come home and see what you're used to and stuff. But it must have been quite different, a country boy moving to the big city. It must have been a bit of a shock, would you Would you not say? It was, really, because it was so different. I mean, you'd have, like, eight, nine-year-olds, you know, out till, like, 11, 12 at night yeah. in, like, groups of people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, hang around, like, McDonald's or, like, the streets. Yeah, no, because I live in yeah. Wimington, you see, and... Um, in Manchester, and it's a completely different environment to say here. It's much more busy and much more going on. Um, so I just wanted to get what you thought. Um, did you kind of feel like you could see more poverty in the city as well and more crime in the city? Yeah, but you'll find that people are more real. Yeah, yeah. But there really? is there is a massive poverty sort of thing there. But as long as you keep yourself to yourself, you're all right. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. People where we live... They, they often think they're, they're 10 men, if you like. Yeah. But if you put them in the life down there, they won't last five minutes. Well, of course. Because they, they, no, no. they'd sniff you out like blood. Yeah. Well, I think it's around here, it's more it's more like a goldfish bowl. It's like cough from the rest of the country in a way. You know, they think they'll do something which they think, oh, is big, but it isn't really. It, it's nothing at all. It's, and if they go into a city of, say, Manchester or another big city and they do that thing, it's not even a big thing. In fact, if anything, they'll get, they'll probably get quite, you know, not a lot of trouble for it. But yeah, like I said, you've got to back it up and be, be you know, be the guy, you know. Yeah. It just, it gives you um, a good perspective on, on, on how lucky. It's easy to forget how lucky you are. Mm. See, I always strive for more, but then at a young age, you know, I've got loads. Absolutely. You know, I've got a daughter that I can, you know, I live. she lives with me and I can control most aspects of her life and how I want her to be because mm. she's with me all the time. I've got a nice big house. You know, I've got a nice car. I've got a family that loves me. A lot of people would just be happy with, you know, would just strive for just that. But it's so easy to think, I want more, I want this, yeah. I want that. Do you know what I mean? Becoming the rat race Sometimes, of nothing's ever yeah. enough. Sometimes stripping it back down to the basics can uh, can help massively. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that is that is a very interesting um, thing, thoughts you had that on Manchester. Do you have any questions for Bill or I, Tom? Um, the only ones I'd say is sort of how was life for you at school? Was it normal? Was, did you have any of your sort of problems? I know Dylan, you faced a few few issues yeah. yourself. Uh, I know Dylan, uh, Bill. I was going to say Bill and Bill had his own sort of issues, but Bill, you're more sort of closed off as a person but how, how was it like for you you know like did you relate to any of the things I've said or you know stuff like that um, I relate to some of the things you said yeah I'm going to be honest with you school for me it was it was grand like I didn't have any issues really in school and I think for some reason that school like treated me really well and I don't know why I don't know if you've seen it yeah, from yeah. an outside looking in Maybe you've seen a deal a bit more than Tom, but uh, that's cool. Like, they treated me really well. And I, I think, I don't know why. Maybe it was because I was Irish and I wasn't from there and they didn't wanted me to feel inclusive. But 
I always with me like I was I I never tried to get in trouble or anything like that. I never really got in trouble, but I always I always stood up for what I believed in and for what I felt was right. So there would there would be a few occasions uh, like yourself, Tom. You you know you're 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 doing what you think's right, and you know like for example the teachers what they're doing is wrong, and you would kind of get in trouble for that. But you know you just had this. I just said to myself throughout school, you know, stay true to your purpose. And stay true to what you believe in and it did it did get me in trouble at times and uh but yeah i was never really like i didn't really act up or i had, i tried to be friends with everyone and uh i think that was i think people knew that yeah you know, i wasn't trying to be fake or anything but i always tried to be nice to people because you know like i said i've i've had my life as well as you two know behind the scenes so i kind of felt like oh i wouldn't want anyone to feel bad of how i treated them but you know literally you know you know you do have regrets in school like everyone has regrets you know i remember doing stupid things and i i'd cringe at myself like looking back on them and but you know that's just a, it's a learning experience you, you have to in a way go through some cringy times or bad times to kind of realize the good times you know and at the school that we were at, i don't know if you know this time but i ended up being head boy at that school no it was it was you know i and I, I remember I did the speech for that and I just blew the speech out of the park. I did it in, in the canteen, didn't I? Dale was there, I think. And I just, I, I, I got it. And, you know, so, but like I said, that school treated me really well, but um, I never went through as, as the, uh, the stuff that you went through, Tom. No, I wouldn't say I went through as bad as what you went through. But, um, but I didn't do well in my A-levels at all. I basically failed all my A-levels. Do you know, I've and, heard that from a lot of people that really struggled with sixth form. Yeah. And I think, no, but what it was for me was um, I could I was definitely in, intelligent enough to do the work, but um, I just didn't want to do it. Like, I just didn't feel good, like, in the school. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad school. I'm not saying that at all, to, you know. But for me, it just wasn't for me. Like, but I still did it. And uh, I just didn't like the work. Like I, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't even revise or anything for exams or anything like that. Motivated. I don't know why, and I don't know why. Like I actually don't know why I didn't do it. Uh, maybe it was subconsciously a rebellion, a rebellious thing. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm not sure about the psychology behind it. I'm not sure, yeah. but. But yeah, no. But I did enjoy. In you know, I did enjoy my school experience. I definitely did enjoy it. Um, what about you, Dendil? What well, about um, uh, I, I didn't, you relate to some of the stuff? Yeah, when, when my first episode, we did disclose how it was with um, the cerebral palsy, but I do think with Tom speaking about uh, being diagnosed with autism and always being different, I definitely know how that feels from a from from, from a personal standpoint. I could sympathise with you there, Tom, because I knew exactly it was like not being able to fit in, um, and then just sort of as you sort of say kind of feel less of a man really uh, because it's weakness and how we have to work harder to prove ourselves so i knew exact i know exactly where you're coming from but you know i think you're one of the um the strongest people i've ever come across uh, you know? i don't know about that i just do no i do because you know if we're being brutally honest despite it you still you still crack on yeah. with things and you and you, you try I mean you ran that campaign didn't oh, you? Oh it's a council yeah, yeah. I'm running as councillor but um yeah you're in I mean speaking from a disabled person's view 
there's two options you can do. You can also just say, well, I'm disabled, hence do nothing. Or, well, no, you're disabled, you could do something, work out and be the best you can be. And that's all I try and do is just be the best I can be. You know, it is hard. It isn't all, as the quote from Rocket, isn't all sunshine and rainbows. But if you can succeed, you'll do well. You just never give up and keep going and you'll achieve what you want to achieve. I think that's a brilliant mentality to have. Mm. It's it's nothing to sleep on having that kind of mentality because not a lot of people do. Mm. A lot of people, like I say, they hit a scenario and they don't know what to do, so they just have, bury their head and hide from it. And you, you've never no, done you, that. You can't, you know. And you'll know this just off with um, your life and having a kid and you know being diagnosed with autism. You can't just bury your head and stand like an ostrich. You have to, you have to face it, you know. And yeah, life will be harder for us, Tom. But we have to just keep going, and we will, we will achieve our goals and dreams, and we'll start down and be happy. But. You, you can't let it defeat you because once you it defeats you, you're just known as the guy with this condition. And it will, it was a bit like, you know, do you remember my thought? We won't name names, but do you remember one of my TAs, Tommy, who had cerebral palsy? Uh, I think, think so, yeah. yeah. Well, I think he had the view on, I'm going to let this condition consume me and um, I'll, I just want to be known as condition. I never want to be known as that. And I think you yourself with the autism, you didn't want to be known as, oh, I'm just a guy of autism or I'm just a guy who's a bit different. I still want to achieve. But again... Yeah, because you're more than that, aren't you? Than, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a very small part of us. It's an important part, but it's not that big. It doesn't necessarily define who you are as a person or your character, you know? It's it's what we do in that situation. Life deals us bad sets of cards, but it's how we break out and achieve. That's what we're going to be tested on when it's all said and done and we're both buried. When we're both 90, we're died, we're both buried six feet under. That's what's going to be remembered is our legacies of just never giving up to keep going. I think that brought the um, podcast to a lovely end. I think so as well. <laughs> Yeah, but so yeah, um, that's great. It, it, that was some wise words there from Dill. You know, you can always rely on Dill. Some some yeah. wise words. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I said before, I just want to say thank you to you, Tom. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, you brought some really valuable insight into what life was like. Uh, like someone like yourself, for example, undiagnosed autism and going through school. And I really do think this is going to help some people that listen to this. Do you think? Oh, 100%. Kodo? I think it's definitely going to bring people out of their shells and they can see they can achieve. And even if they've not done particularly well in school, that it's not over. You can get up, get a job, you know, work hard and achieve your goals and dreams. Well, yeah. thanks for having oh, me. It's been a pleasure. No, Tom, honestly, it has been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Like, and it's uh, it's been good to have a proper conversation with you again yeah, after all this yeah, time. Yeah, we'll have to catch you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, then. Uh, this has been the Misunderstood World podcast um, with me, Bill. And me, Dylan. And Tom Linehan. And uh, I want to say thank you, everyone, for Please listening. like, share, subscribe, and follow.